I want to take as my text this morning that reading from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in particular verses 16 through chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and beginning at verse 16, and if you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 1147. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and beginning at verse 16, which I'd like us to read again just so it's fresh in our minds. Notice, beginning at verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, And so we do not lose heart, though our outward self is wasting away, our inward self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent, which is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This morning I want to talk about things temporal and things that will last forever. Things temporal and things that will last forever. And most of us as Christians would readily admit that there are some things in life that are temporary and there are other things that last forever. In fact, that's what Christians believe. Uh, uh, Max Lucado, some years back, I said something that uh, really struck me, and, uh, and I started re repeating it, quoting him, uh, whenever I thought it was pertinent to whatever might be the subject at hand. Uh, but he said this, whether you live to be nine or ninety, life is short, but the kingdom of God lasts forever. <laughs> if you live to be nine or ninety, life is short, temporary, but the kingdom of God lasts forever. The temporary? and that which lasts forever. And as Christians, we, we believe that, at least intellectually, in the head, that there are some things, like what we just described, that are temporary, and other things that will last forever. Of course, the challenge for us always is actually living and experiencing that truth, which we say <laughs> we believe. Someone shared a, a video uh, there's actually a sort of a panel discussion, and included in that was a fellow called Hank Hanegraaff. You may be familiar with him, but he said something really interesting, so I stopped, I stopped uh, the video and I wrote this down. But this is what he said. He said, the map is not the territory, and the menu is not the meal. And knowing about something and experiencing something are two very different things. <laughs> The map is not the territory. The menu is not the meal. You can go to a restaurant and you could, you could tell, learn what they do there and never taste anything. And know all about it. I hate to press the parallel. It's like, uh, the, you, know, the, you, you know all about golf. You just don't play. <laughs> and you've listened to lectures on golf. You just don't play. 
Sunday after Sunday, you listen to what Jesus says, these radical ideas, and what the apostles are saying. In fact, you can quote some of them. A little scripture McNugget here and a scripture McNugget there. But you really just don't play the game. Interestingly enough, for Paul, what he says in the text is not just something that he knew, it was something that he lived. And what does Paul say in our text? Well, he says two things. And the first thing that he says is that some things are temporary. Some things are temporary. In fact, uh, for instance, a physical life as we now know it. We, in fact, we all know this, right? Although we, I don't know that we're really ready for death, but we know it's coming to everyone. We know that no one lives forever. Indeed, notice the language of Paul in our text, verse 16, chapter 4. And though our outward self is wasting away, our outward self, he's talking about, he's talking about the physical body that, that houses, if you like. In fact, later he calls it a tent. In fact, I think I'm going to quote that in just a moment. The, 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 the inward self and the outward self. The outward self is wasting away. That's true whether you're being persecuted or not. When I hit 50, I started to notice that something had gone wrong. <clears throat> and I'm eight years into it. And I, I, I got to go to see the doctor because I got this, I think, I don't know what I did to my shoulder. Well, I never talked like that in my 30s and 40s. In fact, the 40s were great. Man, that was, that was like the peak. And then it was all started to go downhill from there. <laughs> See, even if you're not being persecuted, the, the outward man, the outward person, our outward selves is wasting away. Or in chapter 5 and verse 1, which is at the very end of our text, and if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, in fact, the tent is a temporary dwelling, isn't it? He calls this the temporary of our tent, if it's destroyed, if it's folded up, or if some, someone knocks it over, or if somebody comes and destroys it, if somebody comes and kills us. And so he talks about life in its temporary nature. No one lives forever. Life is short. Listen, you can count on it. There's lots of things. Kind of, it's almost like the clock, you know, a broken clock is right at least twice a day. And I can, I'd bet money on it if I was a betting man that you're going to die. <laughs> I'm going to die. And so are you. Because life in this body is temporary. And then Paul says also that there's something else temporary, and he describes it, as I would put it, as suffering wrong for doing good. That's a temporary circumstance. That won't last forever. But suffering wrong for doing good. And, and, and indeed, notice in verse 17, he talks about light, momentary or temporary affliction. And what he's talking about there is suffering that he experienced while he was trying to serve God. In fact, as he was serving God, sharing the gospel and all the things that he did as an apostle. Hurtful things. In fact, not just hurtful to his to his pride or hurtful to him in sort of an insulting way, but actually also in particular hurtful in a very physical way. In fact, he mentions as much in the, uh, the uh, this same fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians, beginning at verse 8, he says, and, and we are afflicted in every way. Let me just cover it and give you a general statement. We are afflicted in almost every possible way that you can imagine. 
doing this. This is, we're saying that the Jesus is Lord, uh, and the government says, oh, no, Caesar is, and if you say Jesus is Lord, that's, a, that's a, a seditious act, and if we catch you, we're going to kill you. That's a capital offense. On and on and on. From the Gentiles, the Jews. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, like, Lord, I'm just trying to do your work. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body, in our outward selves, the death of Jesus. We could go at any time. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. It's kind of like, as he, Jesus says in uh, he, Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, he talks about this prayer that he was having to the Lord. Lord, take this thorn in the flesh. He prayed three times, and, and Jesus said, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for my, my grace is perfected through weakness. When you're weak, I can be strong in you, and it'll be my strength not yours. Or in this same letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11, beginning at verse 23, Paul gives a sort of uh, enumeration. He lists all these things that he's been through, suffering wrong for doing what's right. He talks about these false prophets that were giving him a, lot of a bit of a headache. He said, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one, he says, and I'm, I'm talking like a madman. With far greater labors compared to them, far more imprisonments, <laughs> countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, trying to get where I need to go to take the gospel somewhere else. A night and a day I was adrift on the sea, on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from mine own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers. And somewhat ironically, Paul describes these as light, <laughs> but the point is momentary, temporary afflictions because he knows they won't last forever. In fact, they don't. Good Friday doesn't last forever. Sunday comes. Indeed, Paul says that even the world as we now know it is only a temporary thing. In verse 18, he says, and we look not, we don't set our focus on things that are seen, for the things that are seen are transient. The things that are seen are temporary. The men are finishing up, uh, the, on Saturday mornings, finishing up uh, the book of Revelation. We came to the 21st chapter. There's only 22 chapters. He came to the 21st chapter this last Sunday, and this is what we read, John writing. He said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. That's where we're headed. And so some things are temporary. And then Paul, with a very strong contrast, a contrast that couldn't be greater than I suppose, says, and, and yet there's some things that last forever. Such as the redemptive work that God is doing in us, even now if we're living our life for Him. God is involved. God is doing something in you as well as through you. And so Paul says in uh, this chapter 4 and verse 16, and so you know what? Because God is doing something. They're knocking me down. I'm getting shipwrecked. I'm, I don't know who quite exactly who to trust. They beat me. Sometimes they leave me for dead. But that's all right. That's momentary. And in the meantime, while I'm suffering that, God is at work in my inner man. He says, he begins verse 16, and so we don't lose heart. <laughs> we don't give up. Though our outward self is wasting away, our inward self is being renewed day by day. This is while our bodies are dying or it's the target of some sort of abuse or persecution. God is transforming our spirits day by day as we are living for Him. Transforming our character and making it more like Christ Himself. Indeed, how can I be like Him and not take up my cross and follow Him and allow myself to be covered in the dust of my rabbi. This is the way it happens. I do good, ah, and there's some cost to pay. But you keep on doing good. You keep on doing good. You keep on doing good. I saw a movie. And I, don't, I think it's been out for quite some time, like most of the movies that you find on Netflix. <laughs> it was called Invictus. It's a title of a Victorian poem that was written by a fellow called Henley. You're probably familiar with the, with the poem. But the movie was called Invictus. It was about Mandela. And I was fascinated by it because it was something of a case study in his leadership uh, and what he did to unite what otherwise might have been a, a, a country torn apart. 70% black, 30% white, and he's a black man. And he said, no, we're not going to just punish and humiliate. We're going to bring this country together and move forward from here. So I asked a friend, I, gotta I don't know much about Mandela. Can you recommend a book on Mandela? So he recommended a book. It's about seven, 800 pages. I haven't gotten to it yet. I thought what I would do is I would reread Martin Luther King Jr.'s autobiography before I got to Mandela. And one of the things that King kept on saying is that we will not fight fire with fire. We may be the victims of abuse, but we will keep taking action, not to humiliate and to, as he would say, destroy our white brothers, but that we might ultimately, ultimately be reconciled. That's what Paul was doing. He didn't hate the Romans. He was preaching the gospel to them. He was trying to reach his fellow Jews, people who were abusive to him. He had nothing but love for them, to reach them. As King says, you can't cure hate with hate. If there's to be a cure, it will come by way of love. And so God is 
transforming us through such an experience. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 and verse 18, conforming us to the image of the Son, this is how Paul describes it. He says, and we all with unveiled faces, it's the idea of uh, when Moses when Moses went before God, he pulled the veil back. You remember that? He'd pull the veil back and he'd see the Shekinah glory and it was almost like radiation. The Shekinah glory would sink into his skin and when he would come out of the tent and he would stand before the people, the people would see his face aglow. <laughs> and then he would cover it back off, cover it back up and then it would fade away. That's what Paul is talking about here. And we all with unveiled faces, pulling back the veil from our face, we beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image that we see in Jesus from one degree of glory to another. And that work that God is doing in us, if indeed he's doing such a work in us, lasts forever. It won't ever be taken away. As someone has written, what is happening to me will soon be over. What is happening in me will last forever. What is happening to me will someday be over. What is happening in me will last forever. What I heard last summer, Paul Mark Hall from Casting Crown say, your life's not falling apart. It's falling into place. if God's in the middle of it. Another thing that lasts forever is the reward that God is storing up for those who are faithful to Him. There is no, don't ever feel sorry for a person who is dedicated to God. (laughs) There's a great reward for doing so. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, Jesus tells us in the parables. But it lasts forever, a reward that God is storing up for those who are faithful. And so we read in our text, beginning at verse 17, for this light momentary affliction, it's doing something. It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. It's, the Greek says, from access into access. Uh, excess, excuse me, excess. From excess into excess. It's, it's, it's like beyond measure. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison or measure, as we look not to the things that are seen, but rather we focus on the things that are unseen, things that we know are going to happen, but we haven't experienced them yet. For the things that are seen are transient, are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Peter put it this way to a community of Christian believers who were Suffering. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 6, And in this you rejoice. <laughs> in this you rejoice. As he later de- as he d- described it earlier, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. In this you rejoice, though now, for a while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's the faith is tested by fire, may be found to result, your faith, in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so Peter says that genuine faith lived out results ultimately in praise and honor and glory given to you by God. And Paul says that this is a reward stored up for you if you're faithful 
a storing up that will last forever. Indeed, all that you now have in the world, you will lose. You brought nothing into this world, and you take nothing out. But the reward that God gives to those who are good and faithful can never be lost. You might have heard that from somebody once. In fact, this is what Jesus said. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why does he say that? Because that's what we're inclined to do. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. You want to make an investment, Jesus says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break up, break in and steal. It lasts forever. There's nothing can corrupt it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's a very interesting statement. Where your treasure is. Where's your treasure? That's where your heart is. Either it's the thing seen or the thing not seen. No one can serve two masters, Jesus said, for he will either hate the one and love the other, he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And then finally, that thing that will last forever is physical life as we will know it in the age to come. We were talking about this too, I think, with the men on Saturday. We, always th we think, uh, well, we're, we're, the point, the terminus ad quem, the, the, the thing to which we're headed is heaven. <laughs> I believe because I want to go to heaven. The true end is the kingdom and the everlasting state. The true end is you being reunited with your physical body, but one that's been transformed like unto Jesus' resurrection body. And Paul talks about this. He touches on this here in, the, in our own text. Verse, verse 1 of chapter 5, For we know that if this tent, he calls the body a tent, that's a temporary dwelling. We know that if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, that's all right because we have a building, a permanent dwelling place, a permanent dwelling place, a building from God, a house not made with hands, not human hands, made with His hands. That's eternal, everlasting, that is. It comes from the heavens. So it's a reference to resurrection, the resurrection experience, the resurrection body that will last forever, even, if, even as Jesus' resurrection body is still untainted. <laughs> And so in this same fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians, we read in verse 14, and Godson read it for us, and knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and bring us into his presence. Or in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul wrote, And I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You, you, the way you are now, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will last forever. You've got to have, you need a major change in order for you to be able to endure the everlastingness of the kingdom that we pray will come. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, that is, we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. Indeed, if Christ comes in our lifetime, you can forego the death. 
We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable. And we shall be changed, for this imperishable body must, must put on imper the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immor immortality. Or Philippians 3, famously, at verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we're awaiting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be made like unto his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. And so the physical body, as we shall know it in the age to come, will last forever. And these are the things that Paul believed, things that Jesus himself taught, things that transformed Paul's life. I love that verse 16. He says, and because these things are true, we do not lose heart. Because these things are true, we do not give up. Indeed, Paul didn't just believe these things. Paul surrendered himself to these things until they took complete possession of him. It's kind of like what Bono said. Bono said, uh, when somebody's really singing a song, when Bono said, when you're really singing, the, really, when the song is really being sung, it isn't the singer who's singing the song. It's the song that's singing the singer. And when Paul says, it's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. This isn't something he's doing. This is something God's doing through him. And these truths that will unfold like a slow train coming in God's timing, not according to ours. When those truths are in us and coming out of us, and when they're controlling us and we're not controlling them, then the song sings us. And so we have to decide this morning what role these truths will play in our lives. Truths, probably you've heard them many times before. But the question will be whether we will possess these truths or whether these truths will come to possess us. Things temporary and things that will last forever. Let us pray. Think of the words of Paul in another place, Lord. He said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Allow yourself passively to have something else happen to you. Allow yourself to be filled he didn't say get filled. He said, allow yourself to be filled. And so, Lord, we pray that these truths might take up residence in our hearts and our minds so that they're not things that we manipulate and master, but they become things that master us. Like the singer who sings when the song is singing him. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.